It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until... 6 o'clock this evening here on News Talk 1400, DWS. Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, is alongside Scott Ritchie in the studio as well, Bob Osmussen, on the telephone. Plenty to talk about the final college football game of the 2020 season. Comes up tonight in just an hour and a half or so, Ohio State and Alabama. And uh, Matt and our Pre-production meeting we had today. <laughs> we actually did have a pre-production a meeting. A pre-show meeting. We mm-hmm. talked about a few things that we were going to talk about and said, well, no new football hires to talk about today. But that changed about <laughs> 30 minutes later when uh, Brett Bielma named Andy Boo his linebackers coach. Another guy that uh, has been around quite a while. He's got 23 years of experience at the uh, college coaching uh, scene guy that would, I guess that'd make him somewhere in his mid-50s, I would say. So mm-hmm. uh, a veteran guy who's been several places, the most recent of which was Arizona. Yeah, and he's coached with Brett Bielema before. He was with him uh, on staff at Wisconsin, and uh, this now has Illinois up to seven assistant coaches that Bielema's hired in about two and a half, three weeks or so. And uh, on paper, the staff looks rather stout, rather solid. Uh, again, we're not going to know the ramifications of these coaching deci- decision hires until – games are actually played and recruiting classes are actually signed and then we can have more of a a fair assessment of of where these hires rank up but in terms of just looking at it on paper he's surrounding himself with one coaches that he does have some background with a lot of the coaches do again he did hire retain Corey Patterson who he didn't know until three weeks ago but also guys that have coached at the power five level and and it seems too he's got a nice blend of of experienced coaches in terms of in-game play calling and, and other attributes like that but also guys that whenever they can get out on the road recruiting really seem to want to go out on the road recruiting and, and sell uh, Illinois to potential to potential future players. So still open on the uh, Brett Bielma Illinois football coaching staff is a receivers coach yet to be named possibly a defensive backs coach mm-hmm. although Ryan Walters has experience mm-hmm. there, and possibly a special teams coordinator that uh, Ben Miller also has some experience there. So who knows how that might go? Yeah, he's got. It seems like Bielma's got some some options there. Obviously, I think the number one uh, position group that you mentioned that that'll hire specifically to coach uh, that certain group as a wide receivers mm-hmm. coach is pretty pretty standard. And then Ben Miller. The new tight ends coach was also that, and the offensive or the special teams coordinator at Air Force uh, before he landed at Illinois. So maybe you kind of have a, a couple coaches focused on the specialist. I know Illinois's done that in the past. Scott Ritchie's raising his hand. I don't know if he's wanting to vouch for being the special he, teams coordinator. He, no, he wants to be the wide receivers coach. Okay, I mean either one, but uh, Andy Boo will also work with special teams. Okay, there you go. I think that may be something 
and this is fairly common too and, and it has happened at Illinois in the past where you have certain coaches just kind of deal with either the kickers or the returners themselves you don't mm-hmm. just have one right. assistant coach that deals with all of the specialists at all so that way it frees up uh, some other position groups, maybe you get a, a cornerbacks coach to really work with the corners at all, or just get a safeties coach to work with the safeties. That all kind of it will be played out, and it seems at the rate Brett Bielma's going, his staff's going to be maybe by next week. It seems pretty much all all wrapped up. So, Bob, what do you think of the uh, staff as it's shaping up now? Excellent hires. <laughs> You're saying that uh, in, in I, I mockery. I do. I do think that he's. What I like is the combination of kind of young and old. So he's got some experienced guys, but he's also got some younger guys. I think his defensive coordinator hire was really smart that way. I think you want to have a kind of a blend there. I think it helps him with the recruiting. It helps with just the overall attitude of the team. So I think they're off to a good start. And now you're right, Matt. I think it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he maybe doesn't hire a specific special teams coach. He still could, of course. But maybe, like you said, break that job up amongst several coaches. You've got some guys on the staff that can do some of that. So, and again, look at the, look at the kickers and, and punters he's got coming back. I don't think they're going to need a whole lot of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. No, These guys exactly. are veterans. They know what's going on. It's not a really tricky thing. So you might spend that position, get 10 spots, but you might spend that position, like you said, that quarterback or something else. Um, I do think, I hope, I hope Mike Bellamy is part of the staff. He has not been named yet. He has not been not named yet. But I'm hoping, given the lack of Illinois ties here right now, I think that would be a really smart thing for the coach to do and for the program to do. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I hope it does. Well, he retained uh, Corey Patterson, so there's a little bit of familiar blood there. But you're right, uh, there's no – former Illini on the staff. I think a lot of fans would like to see that, Matt. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it resonates with the former players, too. Mm-hmm. And, and Bellamy, uh, during his playing career at Illinois, it was arguably part of the most successful era of Illinois football in the last 50 years, I think is safe to say. And he and, was a pretty good wide receiver himself. Exactly, and and he, he's got name recognition and, and credibility, and he obviously uh, would be on his – if he were to stay at Illinois and be able to hire him, that'd be his third head – fourth head coach at Illinois that he's <laughs> he's worked under, you know, hired with Tim Beckman and then with Bill Cubitt and then was let go by Lovey Smith and then brought back by Lovey Smith a few seasons later. So uh, he's, he's shown some resiliency in, in the coaching world. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Bielma does with that and, and if Bellamy is kind of that, that guy maybe at the, the wide receiver's uh, position. So now we on the staff we have Brett – Bart, Ben, and Boo <laughs> now, and Peterson, Bob that. Peterson, Patterson, <laughs> Peters as the quarterback, So uh, and two Millers. <laughs> you got Bart Miller and Ben Miller both uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But, well, I uh, think, it's, and just going back to, to Ben Miller, the tight ends coach that was hired on, on Sunday, it's probably got to be a cool feeling for him uh, kind of coming full circle because he was a – a grad assistant under Ron Zook in, in 2006 and then went off and, and did his own coaching uh, for quite some time, mainly at, at Air Force, and, and now he's back in Champaign and, and gets a chance to kind of see some uh, some places and, and be around uh, a program that really kind of was important to him early on in his coaching uh, career. So, Bob, who do you have tonight in the uh, college football championship game? I'm going to make you happy. <laughs> I, I like Ohio State. I like Ohio State. It'll be a close game. That 
Alabama offense is maybe the, well, the best really of all time. They're so good across the board. Their line's great. Their running backs are great. The receivers are great. Tight end's good. The quarterback's fantastic. So, yes, they're a fantastic team. They're going to be really hard to stop. But I think it's going to be like track meet. So I, I think it'll be like a 42-35 game type, maybe even more. And I I think Ohio State will have a good game tonight. Uh, God knows they're arrested, right? They they didn't play a whole lot of games. So they should be fresh. And uh, if Justin Fields is healthy, which I assume he is, they'll, they'll be good, good to go. Again, they have so much talent. So I, I like the Buckeyes. Close, high-scoring game. Depends on your definition of healthy. I, I yeah, still I cringe at watching uh, him the last weekend uh, in that game. To, to me, that that's kind of one of the big uh, the big storylines going into tonight is is how healthy Justin Fields actually is after he suffered that that vicious hit to his ribs and obviously affected him against Clemson in, in the Sugar Bowl. And if he is one hundred percent full go, no ill effects to that. I think Ohio State does have the edge at quarterback. Uh, even even though Mac Jones put up ridiculous numbers, I think Mac Jones has more playmakers to work with than than Justin Fields at Ohio State. Um, but if Trey Sermon can continue doing his best Ezekiel Elliott impersonation for the Buckeyes too, and if the Ohio State defense can just figure out a way to kind of keep Alabama slowed down, uh, I think you've got the potential for a, like a high scoring shootout that that may happen if if Justin Fields is shown is not showing any ill effects from that that uh, that hit he suffered against Clemson. Scott, he, what? he did throw six. Oh, go ahead. He did throw six touchdown passes, so I think he's okay. Yeah, but he I, did. He I, did. He did, do, he did that. do that, but he also he did, did that. He did some of that before he got hit. Gotcha, Scott. Yeah. What do you think about It'll the game fun. tonight? Who do you got? Well, I think Alabama's going to win, and. You know, Matt mentioned the playmakers, and I think you'll look, get Jalen Waddle to pair with Devontae Smith, uh, your Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, so, I mean, that's uh, it's quite the one-two combo, um, and just as good as Alabama's offense was this season, like if Waddle would have been healthy all year, well, one, Smith might not have won the Heisman, but they probably would have put up even more ridiculous numbers. Um, I mean, Ohio State's defense, I think, is the question. That's not the same group. Yeah, obviously that they've had the past couple of years that was, in my opinion, just better. Um, so I don't know if they can get enough stops. I think they, I think their weakness on the defense is the secondary. I think mm-hmm. their their front seven's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It, the thing with Alabama though that they do so well is they get Devontae Smith out into open space and just give him the ball. I mean, you think back to the uh, the the Rose Bowl played in Arlington, Texas, which is still weird to comprehend. But <laughs> you think back to the, the opening possession Alabama had against Notre Dame, Mac Jones just threw the ball to Smith in the flat, and Smith just went 26 yards for a touchdown pretty much untouched. And uh, I think Ohio State does have some playmakers, but the big question is going to be how can they slow Alabama down, I think, in order to, to give that, that potent Ohio State offense. And also I think one not overlook factor, but – Nick Saban wants another national title. I mean, he's never satisfied in a season that doesn't end without a national title, and they haven't won one since 2017. So I'm sure he's he's amped up and, and got his players as prepared as as they can be and make sure that Steve Starkeesian's not really focused in on Texas and the, the new head coaching job he's got with the Longhorns and make sure he can really dial, in, dial it in against uh, Ohio State tonight. Some other uh, football news today. The 2021 College Football Hall of Fame class was announced. 11 players two coaches and the two EIU grads in the studio are pretty happy with the fact that uh, 
Tony Romo was on that list, one of the 11 players. Yeah, I mean, that's an incredible honor. Uh, I know uh, yesterday during the, the Saints-Bears game that uh, it was revealed on CBS that Romo was going to be inducted or part of this, this next class, but what he did down in Charleston is, is pretty remarkable. Threw for more than 8,000 yards, 85 touchdowns with the Panthers, won the Walter Payton Award in, in 2002, which is the equivalent to the Heisman in, in FCS, and obviously went on to a 13-year, really solid career with the Cowboys, and now predicts plays that'll happen on, on national television games. But it's first ever player from Eastern Illinois to be inducted into the, the College Football Hall of Fame, so it's pretty remarkable with that. But it just goes to show you, too, that he was really good uh, during his time in Charleston and, and well-deserved. I was kind of hoping Scott would say, yeah, I got Tony lined up to, to be on the show tonight. <laughs> Funny. You know, we're, we're not – that close he did graduate a, a few years before i did <laughs> yeah I, I, I was at i was at eastern uh from 04 to, to 08 and, and he left a couple of years before then but uh, i remember when he first started making his his starts with the cowboys uh, i was covering the football team at eastern and was able to talk with a few of the guys that were fifth year seniors that year who were actually true freshmen when romo played and they kept referring just how much he loved football he, he'd always have a ball in his hand down in charleston he'd throw it into his couch all the time and things like that and uh, I did try to line up Romo that um, when I was in college and got told by the Cowboys that, oh, yeah, he'll give you a call in, uh, you know, about a about an hour or so. He's got like 50 requests this week because that's when he just got named the quarterback. And, um, you know, 15 years later, I'm still waiting for that phone call. <laughs> well, so. there's still time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, know, not giving up hope just yet. You're going to be so there's so you say there's, <laughs> there's a, a chance. chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got one, so you're saying there's a chance. Bob, what do you think about this list of players? Oh, it's terrific, of course, with the uh, two Illinois players not named. So, Simeon Rice, who will get in, Mo Gardner, who will get in. Those two will get in at some point. Uh, Rice is way past due uh, to me. Mo, actually, both of them are way past due. But it kind of works in cycles. You get a guy, it seems like every seven, eight, nine, ten years. Illinois, I think the last one would have been um, Dana Howard. The last one? Dana Howard. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's been just not very long. So, it might be another couple of years before those guys get in, but all the all the players they pick there. I mean, you, I've looked at the list all the time because I'm a voter, and I look at the list and it's like I could pick 30 guys every time. You go only get to pick like nine or ten, so it's really hard. But I do think they did a good job picking the right people, and everybody that gets in there deserves. You have to be all all American. You have to, there is a bunch of like criteria to even get in there. So if you're on that list to even be nominated. You're a terrific player, and then the guys that make it each class are terrific. You know, wonderful players. So is is there a, a point? Job. Is there a point in time when you would fall off that list of candidates or not? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And kind of goes the nominations are year by year, and I think Illinois uh, has a say. I think uh, it's kind of funny. There's a, the college, the football foundation. Uh, they kind of help determine who's in there and who's on the on the list, and it kind of Certain schools have kind of an advantage, honestly. Notre Dame, uh, big-time school, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, those schools seem to have an advantage in terms of getting players in there just because they have a lot of members in the foundation. But, again, I think everybody in there that's on this list this year is ultimately worthy. So, yeah, about I think Simi Rice, uh, he's it's crazy he's not in there yet. He should be. I mean, not, not that they should have been ahead of Dana, but certainly right after Daniel. So I think both those guys, and I think Kevin Hardy down the road will, will be in there too. 
We've got the phone lines open, Monday Night Sports Talk. It is moving up on 526 if you'd like to join us to talk about this. More basketball, the Illini dropping that 66-63 decision last night at the State Farm Center to the Maryland Terrapins, and today fell a couple of spots in the AP poll down to number 14. You want to talk about that? 356-9397. We're here until 6 and back after this. Stay with us here on DWS. We are moving up on 530 here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6. The Brad Underwood Show coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Of course, the Illini coach will be on with Brian Barnhart. We'll talk a little basketball with Doug Altenberger as well. Some football with the uh, new offensive coordinator for Brett Bielma, Tony Peterson. That's coming up tonight at 7 here on News Talk 1400, DWS, and on Light Rock 97.5, WHMS, Maryland 66, Illinois 63 at the State Farm Center in front of a sold-out crowd of... (laughs) Fifty. I think 169 was the listed attendance. Okay. Couldn't get anybody else in there. Still doesn't feel right, though, does it, uh, to watch a basketball game? And you just need to hear the band play. It's like football season was with nobody there. It's just well, I think strange. College, I think college basketball is this one sport where lack of a crowd is the most noticeable right. uh, one that you can, can pick out just because of the, the energy that the crowd brings and, and the adrenaline rush that it gives the players and just the buzz in, in the building. So Yeah, I mean, visually, I'd say, you know, baseball this summer was maybe the most jarring. It was eerie. Um, but, yeah, in terms of... It's like watching a Marlins game every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Marlins. But uh, just in terms of just being in an empty arena, still a weird feeling. Oh, like, I can imagine. I mean, there's like... Both teams went back to the locker room. There's about seven minutes to go before the game started, and it's just dead. There was and there was no, I mean, nothing happening that would make you think, okay, a, a top twelve team is about to play a home game. Um, then they played, and maybe fans were fine that they missed it. It was not. You uh, didn't know that a top twelve team was about to play not like a top twelve team. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and Maryland seems to have Illinois' number here lately, don't they? Yeah, I know, like, uh, Daryl Morcel filmed a, little, a video for the Maryland Twitter after the game, and they, they posted right away, and you know, he was just saying he was 3-0 and at State Farm Center in his That's career. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what it is about Maryland. I'd start taking that personally if I, were, if I were the coaching staff and the players. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess good thing for them. He Well, I guess he could come back. So <laughs> yeah, he, he is a senior, but uh, I guess that, that bonus year coming. Um, no, it's – it's not a good loss for Illinois. I mean, because you can lose a game and say, like, well, okay. I mean, that was not not great, but it wasn't, you know, any of the worst thing in the world. But it's just the way you know, Illinois just couldn't do much offensively was, you know, the way they missed so many layups. I mean, I would assume it was right there with the rest of them when it came to that. That that was a little concerning. And then, you know, Kofi Coburn not getting involved in the second half very much. It's like, Find the guy that's shooting 80% from the field, get him the ball. Got him two shots, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, he did get the ball some, and then Maryland started double and triple teaming him more in the second half, and Kofi did not handle that well. He he was only tagged with one turnover. Bet Underwood said two, and I think maybe one got blamed on Adam Miller. Uh, But uh, he's not – Kofi's 
maybe not used to pa- passing out of the paint all that much. When he gets the ball down there, he's usually looking to score, but he needs to be stronger with the ball still, just in all facets. If you have any comments about the game, you're jumping off the <laughs> the cliff uh, after a home loss to a team that was, what, 6-6 six and six going mm-hmm. in, and unusual Big Ten schedule for them as far as the games they've won. They won at Wisconsin, now they won in Champaign. Uh, our phone line is open, 356-9397. I think... Mark Turgeon did a pretty good coaching job. Well, I think that I think that's a, a key sticking point for me that from from Sunday night is the fact that Maryland didn't have the most talented team that he's had in his time in College Park, but they came into Champaign and, and beat the number twelve team in the country. And uh, I know it was a close game throughout, but just the the coaching uh, experience he has, I think, really shown through uh, last night. And um, you know, they they made Iowa DeSumo work for. All of the points he had, I know he had 23 points last night, but as Scott pointed out, uh, it took 23 shots for him to, to get there. And uh, the Illinois just never seemed to really get in a flow uh, offensively at all. And then obviously with Trent Frazier getting hurt, uh, I'm sure that affected not only what they wanted to do on offense, but also just defensively for, for Brad Underwood. And Georgie Bishon's Bailey struggled, didn't really play well off the bench. And Jacob Grandison and, and Coleman Hawkins really didn't give – Illinois kind of that spark so it was really kind of a two-man show last night with with Iowa DeSumo and Kofi Coburn and yes they almost carried them to a win but more times than not I don't think that's going to be the the formula that Brad Underwood wants for this for his team at all. Well when you get two guys that start the ball game and play 30 minutes a game and they don't score that makes it tough then Georgie off the bench didn't score Adam Miller didn't score in the second Mm -hmm. half but uh, it's kind of like okay Iowa and Mm-hmm. Kofi will score 21 each or whatever and don't let somebody else beat you. They they didn't let DeMonte Williams shoot that open three-pointer like he likes to do, and that was a key factor. And they made Curbelo think that he was a scorer instead mm-hmm. of uh, being a distributor. And neither of which is maybe good for Illinois being at its best. And right. I mean, DeMonte Williams is a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's not a shoot-off-the-dribble, not a shoot, take one dribble, or catch, take one dribble, and shoot. Um, it's catch and shoot, and Maryland didn't let him do that. He did attack the basket once um, late in the second half. I thought it was a, someone needed to be aggressive and, and do that. I mean, he missed the layup because Illinois was, were they 9 of 20 on layups in that game? Which is, then he missed foul shots. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if Adam Miller had a, a good first half, and then, you know, just – like you said, Steve kind of disappeared. It was not the not the game that Illinois needed from those guys. I mean, Devontae Williams did a lot of other things, nine rebounds, five assists, but you know, no Trent Frazier for the most part in the second half. He's a a veteran steadying influence on that team, and I think you know they could have used him. We do have the phone lines open. Let's uh, go to the telephone. We've got one Bob on the uh, phone on a regular basis with the Bob Osmussen, and we've got another Bob on the show, go ahead, uh, Bob number two. Yes, this is Bob number two. Um, the the uh, on the radio today, or on uh, some of the things I've seen on on uh, uh, my Facebook, not Facebook, but uh, looking at the game from last night, uh, I think they came in more hungry than we did to win the game, and they played Iowa, and they said they made major changes in what they were going to do to play Illinois because of what Iowa did to them. And I think that had a factor. Yeah, I think you're right, Bob. And I think, too, I think what's kind of 
I wouldn't say concerning because Illinois still is nine and four. They're five and two in the Big Ten. It is only one game, and they get a chance Wednesday night to to rebound at, at Nebraska, which is arguably the Big Ten's worst team now. If Illinois loses Wednesday night in Lincoln, then I think you can legitimately hit the panic button, and break the panic wonder, button. Wonder, it's so hard. Wonder what's going on this season. But I think what's puzzling is the fact that Illinois really hasn't consistently performed up to their their standards and and they struggled mightily in the first half Thursday night at Northwestern one by 25 because they played probably their best half of basketball they've accomplished in the Brad Underwood era and then just really never seemed to get in a rhythm uh, against Maryland and and let the Terrapins hang around and kept it low scoring which favored Maryland in the end and um, I, I think Illinois kind of Yes, they've shown they can grind out wins like they did against Indiana and Purdue at home or around the holidays after Christmas and New Year's. But I think this Illinois team, when they can get up and go and, and push the pace, that's the most successful version of this team. And I think right now they're just really kind of struggling to to almost have an identity out there on the court. Yep. Thanks for taking my call. Yep, Bob, we appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to join us to talk basketball and or football or anything else that might be on your mind. As I mentioned, Illinois drops uh, just a couple of spots from 12 to 14. But, Scott, they're still uh, pretty well thought of in some of the other ratings, including the net rating at number eight after last night's game. So everybody else watching from afar is not jumping off the Illinois ship just yet. Yeah, and they're number eight in Ken Palm. You know, so it's a, it was a slight dip in both, but you know, the advanced metrics still favor what Illinois has done this year, and in part that's the schedule they've played, um, and the fact that they are nine and four. Uh, but like Matt said, this they've been so inconsistent uh, from game to game, from half to half. Uh, that I mean, you can do that for a while and get away with it, but it's not something that's you know a harbinger of great success uh, the longer the season goes. Well, it gets concerning when when you see that. And when you look at the schedule, you say, well, the Maryland, you know, Illinois owes them one, and that, that game is here. And, and you look at the schedule, well, you know, Illinois is going to be 10-1 in the league when they play Iowa. And and then, and then to see the, the inconsistencies that Scott mentioned, and then to hear Coach Underwood talk about a couple of consecutive bad practice days, that starts to make you scratch your head a little bit. Well, especially, too, because this team has such good veteran players in terms of playmaking abilities with Ayo DeSumo and, and Kofi Coburn and then Trent Frazier and Adam Miller have all shown that they can can score at a high level but this is a team that going into the season not only with fans talking this but I mean from the star player himself and Scott I know you mentioned it on your your podcast today Inside the Line of Basketball episode 133 available wherever you can get podcasts is that a good tease? Scott? Thank you. Okay, I was ready to jump in just in case. Uh, but Ayo DeSumo came back and his words in announcing he was coming back to Illinois is, I want that national championship. So they set the bar themselves really high. And, and now, again, I think we can all say with a degree of certain, not certainty, but d- with a degree of confidence on January 11th that Illinois is going to figure some things out. They're going to string together some more wins. They're going to be a team that finishes in the top 25, make the NCAA tournament. But what do they do when they get there? I mean, this team on paper has the potential to make a run and, and a lot of people have thought they can, you know, go to the final four, be a national title contender, but the last couple of weeks of on court results and how they played haven't necessarily shown that. 
And it's not just the last couple of weeks. You go back to the Ohio game. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> they were down with under 10 seconds to go. They were mm-hmm. trailing in the ball game. And so Ohio has yeah. struggled this year. Yeah. They're and, not <laughs> and you get in a, a one-and-done one uh, tournament mm-hmm. situation. If you're not one of the first four, five, six, or seven seeds, you're going to play somebody pretty similar to you. Yeah, and even if you're <laughs> – Seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. I mean, it's there's no guarantees uh, in this season, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. I think Sunday's loss was, and there's still plenty of Big Ten season to be played. But Illinois is now, you know, game behind Wisconsin, game and a half behind Iowa, two games behind Michigan in the Big Ten standings. Like, it's going to be tough to make up that margin. I mean, those teams are going to take some losses, but I mean, Illinois is going to take some too. You know, the rest of the season. I mean, the idea was to, for Iowa Sumer to come back and play for a Big Ten title, and losing at home to Maryland puts that goal just a little bit further out of reach. And the more I watch Iowa, as much as I hate to say this, I like the way they play. And not do they play much defense? No, no they don't. <laughs> but if they've got a lot more offensive weapons, and and guys are going to be. It would be nice when they're not hitting that three-pointer. But uh, last night, um, they, they looked really good in that game uh, yesterday. And I think they've got more guys that can hurt you offensively. Yeah, I mean, with Jordan Bohannon back, I think that's really kind of elevated they their, 14 their, assists. their offensive uh, offensive profile even more. And, and the fact that Luca Garza hasn't slowed down at all. He's, in fact, probably increased his, his output from what he did last season. I think that just makes them... Uh, a really tough team to to defend, and uh, I think Fran McCaffrey's okay with them kind of playing Ole defense at times if that helps them on the offensive end because that's their, their bread and butter, and, and it's showing so far. Bob, you're the optimist in this group. Are we all just being negative Nellies here? No, you're being fine. I, I do have an opposite point, of course, and that is that I think you guys are maybe looking at it a little different than I do because I'm weird. Uh I think the goal for Illinois is to win the national title, right? Mm-hmm. So last night's game didn't have a whole lot to do with that. Might have cost them a spot maybe in the tournament, maybe not. I mean, not a spot, but I mean a position, one wrong, doesn't matter. I think the bigger thing for them is to play as best as they can going up to the tournament and then learn from all these mistakes, which last night they had a lot of them. But I think if you take what you the whole of the season and, and funnel all that into the tournament, you'll be a lot better off because of what happened to you earlier. So that makes sense. But I think this team needs a little, a couple of slaps in the face maybe. Maybe it just needs a little waking up. Because if you think about the game last night, there were about 10 things that happened against Illinois that didn't work for them that could have changed the score by, you know, because it's so, so close. So one made the layup, one extra free throw, whatever, one extra rebound, whatever. They could have gotten that game pretty easily. But so I look at it kind of a, glass half full type of thing like I do all the time. I think with this, they, if they learn from last night and don't let that happen again, they'll be better off come March, come April even. Good stuff, Bob. Need to take a break here at 544. Still got time for you to get in on the telephone if you'd like to join us. 356-9397. Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. Back at you after this. 547 here on DWS. Nice to hear Dave from Lake of the Woods talk about golf in January. And I know you're keeping track of this, Matt. I do not have my January round in yet. Okay, that's all right. Closing talk- in on it. 
talked to my dad last night and he was actually uh, he lives down near the St. Louis area and they said it's supposed to warm up this week so he's actually trying to maybe think of seeing if he could get a round in at all. I had about five rounds in January and February last year uh-huh. so we're still early in the month. Yeah, there you go. I was down at Savoy today just okay. checking things out. Savoy National. Yeah, Savoy National doing a little ground research. It's kind of funny because the snow, the little snow that we had here mm-hmm. is pretty much gone. Yeah. Except on the greens at Savoy. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, they've stayed there. They've had people play the last few days, but I'm not going to play in January till I can putt. There you go. That that's makes not, sense. You know, just going out there, walking around, hitting shots and not putting is not really playing golf. But uh, nobody asked about that, but I just thought I'd give you an update. But by this time next week, I'll have played in January. Okay. I like the sounds of that. Might have to tough it out, but put on I'll a, do it. Put on an extra layer. Okay, we've uh, we've moved into a new year. Tell me what. Tell me something good about high school athletics. Is there anything good to be said? Well, uh, our preps coordinator, Colin Lake, has had a great piece in, in Sunday's News Gazette, and he'll continue doing it for the the following three or four Sundays now, where he gets a bunch of uh, athletes, coaches, uh, officials, other types to to weigh in on their their favorite sports. He kicked it off with boys basketball this past Sunday, and we've got. Girls basketball coming up and then some football and wrestling later this month. But as far as actual games being played, uh, we're still in this indefinite holding pattern as we wait to see what the state will allow. Um, the IHSA is supposed to have a, uh, a regularly scheduled board of directors meeting on, on Wednesday where I do not anticipate a resounding announcement that says, okay, go ahead, you can play high school basketball starting in two weeks or something. I mean, we're also getting up to the point, too, where in this weird school year where there's supposed to be high school football played in the spring, practices are supposed to allegedly start February 15th, which is in a little more than a month, with uh, the uh, expectation that games could start that first Friday in in March and have about a seven-game regular season and then kind of a two-game condensed kind of playoff format, more regional-type setting. But as we sit here today, there's really been no uh, restrictions lifted by the Illinois Department of Public Health or by Governor Pritzker's office. So we're just kind of in the same holding pattern that we've been for um, quite some time. I mean, fall sports did go off with some sports uh, this school year with boys and girls golf, boys and girls cross country, girls tennis, um, girls swimming and diving as well. But ever since then, there's been zero live competitions on the high school scene in Illinois, and that is certainly not a good sign. Well, when you look at a map, mm-hmm. it almost looks like an election map sometimes, but when you look at that, everybody around here has mm-hmm. been doing it or yeah. is doing high school sports. Yeah, I mean, you look over to Missouri, uh, you know, they've got high school basketball, boys and girls going on. They've got high school wrestling going on. Now, now some of those uh, events are going on with uh, participants wearing masks, which was the plan for Illinois uh, when the IHSA kind of defied Governor Pritzker and the IDPH uh, back in late October to go ahead with the boys, bas- boys and girls basketball season. They were going to have players wear masks during games, but obviously those changes, those uh Plans didn't come to fruition on, on the latest uh, order by, by Governor Pritzker back in the fall. And as we just sit here today, I think there's just there's so much uncertainty. And I talked to to Ryan Hornaday, the athletic director down at Tuscola High School, you know, a really well-respected athletic program and, and uh, one of the better ones in the small schools in our coverage area here in pretty much all sports. And he just said the uncertainty is just brutal because they've had to 
go in and make plans to have certain seasons and they have to change them at the the last minute and uh especially for small schools in our area too you're getting to the point where if they do have some sort of seasons for like basketball football and baseball um you're gonna have athletes that are gonna have to make decisions about what sports they will or won't play and that's, well, that's just unfortunate what makes me sad by this is it's not just a sports thing I but about being a teenager it's been a, yeah. a year or two since i was a teenager but not that long since i had one no exactly and so much of being a teenager or a student or a young person is being around your your peers mm-hmm. and your friends and Man, that's got to be tough. Oh, I can't imagine going through it at all. And, and you know, I, I wrote about this in Sunday's paper and, and just echoing what, what Ryan Hornaday said. But, you know, as, as adults, we've all had those high school experiences. We've, you know, either played sports or been to sporting events where that's the big thing in town that yeah. night. And it's a packed house, electric atmosphere. Those are memories that, that stay with you well past your high school days. And all these high school students are making memories of these days or logging in for zoom remote learning at times or going to uh, hybrid schedules in class with really no incentive of any sort of extracurricular activity and and that's just that's really sad and it's just really unfortunate yeah and my mom jokes that i only went to school because of the (laughs) extracurricular activities which may or may not have been a, a joke but yeah it's it's part of the whole experience and going to class and learning is obviously yeah Kind of the the main thing of school, but I think too. I think uh, I think I can say this confidently, and, and I I got decent grades in, in high school, but I don't remember exactly what I learned on a high school English test or a, you know a math test or anything. I remember playing basketball with my buddies and going to you know games and and being involved in as a student and, and watching sporting events and seeing what's going on in the school. I don't remember exactly what score I got on a certain test, sure. but I remember what. I did on that Friday night on the basketball court or something. So I think that's that's the unfortunate part of all. And I can remember times when you couldn't wait for summer break. Yeah. Then you couldn't wait to go back because there's so many people you hadn't seen. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, 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 and interacted with. And just and just the whole rhythms of a school yeah. year, and also too just the whole rhythms of a community are kind of geared around what goes on from August through May, and and those rhythms have been lost, you know, for almost the better part of a year. Moving up on uh, 555. Need to take one final break. We'll do that right now and be back with some more for you here on Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. Stay with us. It is 557. This is Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Steve Kelly with Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie until 6. The coaches show tonight, the Brad Underwood show, comes your way at 7 o'clock. Brian Barnhart and the Illini basketball coach. Doug Altenberger will also be on hand for a segment in that show between 7 and 8 o'clock, as will Tony Peterson, the new offensive coordinator for Brett Bielma's football team. Mr. Osmussen, now what are you working on this week for upcoming editions of the News Gazette? Uh, I took a look ahead to, uh, to the 2021 football season, college football season, and Matt's Matt's direction. I answered some questions from Matt. Also, I got a story coming on uh, Kelsey Ansfield, who uh, does an important job with basketball right now. This story with with her, she kind of described what she does, and it's kind of cool. So, you're going to pick uh, next fall's preseason number one team uh, this early? You're going to do that Correct. tomorrow? I am. It'll be in the paper tomorrow. You're going to give and us any I'll hints? I'll have the top ten later in the week. Uh, they uh, let's see. They they wear red. Are they playing tonight? No, they're not. Okay. Actually, they're not. Bob the contrarian over there. 
Matt's reading your mind. Matt, I, can, I, can, I, I, I already know. I haven't it, read, I read it, read Bob, it. at all, but I, I know who it is. I guessed. Should I say it out loud? You guessed? Okay. Sure. No, no, go ahead. You can say a guess. Yeah, out loud. guess. My guess is Oklahoma. You are very, very warm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not That's Nebraska. Right. No, he, did, he didn't. He didn't <laughs> go. Tommy Frazier, Eric Crouch. No. All right, Bob. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. We'll talk to you again Thanks, next guys. week. See you, Bobby. We'll see ya. Matthew, see what ya. Uh, what do you got the guys working on besides uh, that? Just uh, cracking the whip like I always do oh, around boy. here. Boy. Yeah. Scott's got plenty of basketball coverage coming up. Games Wednesday night at Nebraska, then uh, Saturday against Ohio State. Saturday, Saturday morning. Saturday yeah, morning. Early game. Love those o'clock. 11 a.m. tips. Got two in a row. The Michigan State game is going like to be. Like that as well. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did that just for we beat guys. Exactly. Get the game done. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to Ed Bond for his outstanding help, as always. This is Steve Kelly for the guys. Have a good night, everybody.